Heavenly Father, we're here this morning to honor and to worship you. And uh, we thank you for, uh, honestly, this weekend. Just the weather is a reminder of your beauty and your surprise and your wonder. And Lord, as we get into your word and we talk about the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit and how incredible that is in all of our lives, Lord, I just pray for clarity. And most of all, I just pray for your words to come through me. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Uh, in a classic book a few years ago called Experiencing God, uh, Henry Blackaby, uh, when he, and I'm paraphrasing, when he talked about the Holy Spirit, I love the way that he communicated. He said, uh, God sent Moses and the prophets so that in the Old Testament, they could encounter God through their words, through, the, through Moses and the prophets. And then when Jesus came in the New Testament, the life and the words of Jesus allowed the disciples and all of the followers to encounter and experience God. And then when Jesus left this earth, he promised his disciples, you'll be able to encounter God, how? Through the Holy Spirit. It is powerful. In the 1990s, one of my favorite bands uh, was the Newsboys. Anybody know who the Newsboys are? Good, good. I uh, love that group. And uh, they have a song called The Spirit Thing. And every time I'd hear the lyrics of that song, I'm like, what a great way to frame what the Holy Spirit is. And here's the chorus. It's just a spirit thing. It's just a holy a nudge. It's like a circuit judge in the brain. It's just a spirit thing. It's here to guard my heart. It's just a little hard to explain. It is hard to explain. Uh, when you follow Jesus Christ, the, the longer you follow Christ, you begin to experience His Spirit. But to try to explain that is not an easy thing to do. And when we receive that Spirit, what I love is God says, I am giving you what of the Holy Spirit? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's something interesting about gifts. Number one, a gift, if you reject it, is not a gift. If you just turn it away, it's not a gift. And here's the other thing about a gift that I can tell you firsthand, uh, now from observing my youngest daughter, uh, Danielle. She's uh, uh, going to be 22 here in a little bit. In June, she's getting married. So needless to say, that's what we spent the holidays talking about uh, was the wedding. And I've been, Marine, I've been married over 32 years. I don't know if you've known, but in the last 30 years, things have changed in the wedding game. Several thousand dollars have changed. But uh, uh, here's the thing that's interesting. Uh, she loves now to talk about our wedding. And um, they were talking about, and I said, the registry. And you know, now you register at certain places, so you get exactly what you want. But I said, back in the day, there was no registry. Do you guys remember that, those days? And you'd end up with four toasters, three can openers, and 73 candles. You remember that? And then, like, months later, you're like, I've never, I haven't even opened that. I have not even opened that gift. And I think that's where re-gifting came from, is pre-registry days. It's a different world. But here's the thing about a gift. If that gift stays on the shelf and it's never opened, it's worthless. And it's the same thing with God's gift to us. First of all, God gives every human being this choice. Do you want to accept Jesus Christ? Do you want the gift of the Holy Spirit? And every human being can say, yay or nay. Second thing is, God, after you accept Jesus Christ, gives you this gift, but you can make this decision. I really don't want to listen to the Holy Spirit. 
He gives us that choice too. The Holy Spirit comes alive when we allow God to truly work through us. The Holy Spirit. Think about that. The. The is an article, and it stresses the uniqueness of the Spirit. There are many spirits in this world, but there is only one Holy Spirit. That's why God says there is one God. There is one Jesus. There is one Spirit. The. Holy. Holy stresses the sacredness and the purity of the Spirit. Holy stresses the majesty and the wonder of God. I like to put it this way. It's flesh versus spirit. Here's the biggest question when I was growing up. It's the biggest question that I, I, I'm asked about trying to understand the Holy Spirit. And here it is. You ready? What's the difference between the Holy Spirit and your conscience? Okay, so I want you to wrestle with that at lunch today. What's the difference between the Holy Spirit and your conscience? How many think there's a difference? Anyone? Well, I hope you see there is a difference, okay? Uh, here's the thing we know about your conscience. We're all born flesh with a conscience. Now, let me ask another question. You don't have to raise your hand. Can you alter your conscience? Absolutely. Every human, their line and their boundaries and their conscience can be altered in major ways. All of us, our consciences in certain ways over the years have been altered. There's been things, and I look back in my life that I remember thinking, I will abs- that is absolutely wrong. And then as I grow, I'm like, that's not wrong. So let me step on a couple of toes. So I worked with young people for years and years. The church that I grew up in, you know what was absolutely wrong? Anybody want to guess? Two things. Tattoos and earrings. And growing up, I thought, oh, and the third thing, having fun. I remember that was another thing. I thought, okay. But here's the thing. Now, we may argue about this one, but can you go to scriptures and say, a tattoo is a thou shalt not? No, no, no. Now, you're going to pull that Leviticus text. I mean, I'm telling you. We, we have a tendency. But what happens, our conscience goes back. Now, here's what God's spirit is. It's spirit. It's not flesh. It's, it's moral. It's right. And it doesn't alter. That's what I love about God's spirit. God sets these boundaries to the Holy Spirit, and God doesn't waver. It's not up for a vote. It's not up for an election. It never changes. That's the beauty of the holy and then spirit. And spirit implies the fact that you cannot physically touch it, that it is spirit. Now, in the King James Version, it doesn't say Holy Spirit. Anybody know what it says? Ghost. Do you remember that as a kid, trying to wrap your mind around that? I was baptized when I was 10, and I remember my mom said, now, you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, now, when you come out of that water, you have the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, sounds cool, don't know what you're, you know, it just, and, it, and to say I completely comprehend it today, I don't. Because God is so mysterious how he works through his spirit. So that's why this morning I want to talk about two transformational aspects of the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, here's the first one. The Holy Spirit comforts us when we need help. Now think about that. The Holy Spirit comforts us. John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. If if you're a person who loves to highlight, highlight that word advocate. To help you to be with you forever, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you 
and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And before long, the world will not see me anymore, but it will see me. Now, let me pause there. Can you see what's going through their heads right now? Now, picture this. They've been walking with Christ. They've experienced his miracles. They've experienced his teachings. Life changes. They're drawn so close to Jesus. And now Jesus is starting to let them know, here's here's how the rest of this is going to play out. I'm leaving you. I just keep that in mind. Go down to verse 23. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Those words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All of this I have spoken while I'm still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Again, put yourself where those disciples were when they heard this teaching. Okay, first of all, Jesus, you're, why are you leaving us? I mean, think about that. You're fully God. You're fully human. You can do whatever you want. Why would you choose to leave us? I mean, if you go through John chapters 14 through 16, that is the tension. That's what they keep asking time and time again. Jesus, I, I totally don't understand this thing about this advocate that's coming and this, this friend that's coming for us, but why would you possibly leave us? We can't handle that. And that's what I love about Jesus. He's saying, listen, I'm not gonna, you're never going to be alone because here's the first thing. I'm sending this spirit, which we're going to call a comforter, an advocate. Now, an advocate simply means a helper. And the advocate that he's talking about walks before us, behind us, beside us, above us. It's within us. It is the holy counselor. It is a comforter. Comfort. What do you think about when you hear the word comfort, that he sends a great comforter? Well, I did a little research because, to be honest, this is one of my favorite things in the world, and that is comfort food. Am I the only one here that loves that? Yeah. It actually uh, was recorded, uh, the beginning was 1966. It was an article in the South Palm Beach Post, and they talked about when you're going through uh, difficult times to eat food that gives you comfort. And from the South came this phrase, comfort food. Now, anybody know what comfort food is? So let me give you the official definition, then I'll tell you what I think it means. Okay. Comfort food provides a nostalgic value to the consumer. It's often high in cholesterol and carbohydrates, sugar, like chocolate and ice cream. That's a pretty good definition. Here's my definition. It's good. It's good, okay? When you're down, I don't know what you turn to, but I like comfort food. And here's what's interesting. Don't we all have comfort food, types of comfort food? My wife, she makes a killer, uh, uh, this, this pot pie, chicken pot pie. And I mean, she loads it up. The kids love it that way, you know. And she loads it up. And then on the side are these, these piping hot rolls. Break it open with the butter, throw a little honey on it. Uh, let's just go home now. I mean, it is so good. And then afterwards, I drink my coffee with my favorite creamer, and maybe there's a piece of pie. You know, it doesn't, 
and then you just go in a coma and you're by the fireplace. Comfort, we all understand. And here's what I love about God. God provides comfort through his spirit in countless ways. And here's what I think he does. He engages all of our senses. It's not just one way or two. He just does so many miraculous things to bring us comfort. And that's what I love about God. That's why, and I, I know this is difficult as a believer. If you have non-believers in your family, and you begin talking and you say something like this, I just sense God's spirit bringing peace in my life. How do they respond to you? Are you drinking? I didn't think you drank. You know, they, they just look at you like, what do you, what do you mean there's a spirit? Well, then you talk to other believers, and a believer say, I can't explain it. But God provided this comfort and this peace, and you're, and you're like, yeah, I know. That's what Jesus said. There is this advocate. There is this helper. The other day, I was out walking the dog uh, late at night, and, and in the distance, I could hear a train. And you know the weirdest thing? It just made me feel so, like, comfortable. I grew up uh, with about a half a mile from a train track, and I still remember early morning, I could hear that in the tracks and the train. Isn't that weird? That sound actually brought me comfort. You have the same thing. God has wired you, and just about when you're kind of down and out, he'll bring about comfort. I don't know how many of you last week uh, just said, God, show me the color purple. So I had a, a day, maybe some of you had days like this, um, I'm not big on meetings. I don't like me. I don't like drawn out meetings. And I had one of these days where I think we had a meeting to schedule a meeting, whether we should have a meeting. You have one of those days where you're going from one room and you just march, sit down in another room. And then you ever get into a room, you're like, okay, what is this meeting? Like, I, you don't even know. And so I'm not in the best of moods anyway. And I sit down and straight across, somebody has this bright purple thermos right there in front of me. I'm like, God's good. I mean, he just has a way of comforting us. There are just countless ways that he does that. But here's the other thing about the Holy Spirit that I love. The Holy Spirit convicts us to live courageously for Christ. And we all need to be convicted to do that. From John 14, let's go to John chapter 16, starting with verse 5. But now I'm going to him who has sent me. None of you ask me where you are going. Rather, you will be filled with relief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, there it is again, will not come to you. But where I go, he will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove to the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And then drop down to verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you, here it is, in all truth. So you notice what he says? Not only will this advocate comfort you, it also will convict you. I love, uh, years ago I read this, you've probably heard me share this, about the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is to comfort the, conf the conflicted and to conflict the comfortable. That's exactly. When you really need peace and comfort, God says, let me just wrap you with my security blanket. And when you need a royal kick in the pants, God says, here's the kick you need to get it done. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. There's work to do. And he convicts us. When we are uh, allowing ourselves to kind of slowly fade from the presence of God, what do you think it is that pulls you back? It says, wait a second, wait a second. 
What is it on Sunday morning when you wake up and you're like, it has been a brutal week, and I do not want to go to church? You ever have that little war back and forth? You don't think preachers have that war? They wake up and they're like, oh, sometimes I wish I wasn't a preacher. You know, you just, and get, you get up out of bed and you, you just drag yourself here. Have you ever noticed those are the Sundays God will use you to help somebody else? You'll have a conversation or something happens. You're like, well, God, how did you know that? Because that's what the advocate does. And here's the thing. This is just from what I've seen through God's word and also in my life and talking to so many other believers is this. The consistent truth is the way that God ignites his spirit is always through his word. When I hear people and they'll say, I just don't know what it is. I just kind of feel like I'm kind of drifting from God. I can guarantee you one thing they're drifting from, the word. And if you show up and the only time you open the word is Sunday morning, and then, the, and then you wonder, why do I feel so disconnected from God? Because this is it. Any relationship is built on what? Communication. Can you imagine being married? And if I told Marie, said, you know what? We've been together for a long time. Do we need to talk? Let's just pick this up next Sunday. I'll give you an hour. We got some music, half hour, okay? And it, how, how long is that going to work out? You'd say, well, that's, that's crazy. Well, don't we do that with God? This is his word. And how many times as you're going through the word, um, God just opens up a spiritual passage like, whoa. Or there's, you're going through the word and God lays someone on your heart. Why, how did he do that? Because his spirit just constantly ignites through the word. So Jesus said, I'm never going to leave you. My word will always be with you. And the spirit, when it comes to the word, will do amazing things. James Dobson, I remember this years ago, talking about the power of God's spirit and the power of God's word, said he was in Canada, and he said, I was exhausted from all the things I had done that day. I was exhausted with my schedule, you know, looking forward. I get, get on this elevator late at night, and I'm just standing there like, and here I am so far from home, and uh, uh, there's a beautiful woman on the elevator, and she propositioned him right there. Say, hey, what are you doing tonight? Now, Dobson said, I would love to tell you that my very first thought was my wife or my kids. He said, but my first thought was not my thought. It was God's spirit through the word. And the spirit was so firm. And it was, hey, James, you remember Joseph? Remember what he did? When that elevator door opens, you run. Now opens, boom, he doesn't say, you know, he runs. Now he said, what just happened? Well, that's what happened. He just allowed God's spirit and God's word to just like get a hold of you. I think God is saying to all of us, are you willing to let me comfort you, but are you willing to let me convict you to do the things I've called you to do? Francis Chan um, said this in the book, Forgotten God, reversing our uh, tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. It is true that God may have called you to be exactly where you are, but it is absolutely vital to grasp that he did not call you there so you could settle in and live your life in comfort and superficial peace. If you're extremely comfortable where you're at, be careful, because God never wants us comfortable. That's not how his spirit works. His spirit is there to move us and to convict us. 
You may remember this years ago when I was a kid. This, this movie really did have an impact on me uh, based on a true story, but it's an amazing story. Uh, young, young minister comes out of Bible college, a very conservative Bible college, uh, gets a little bitty church in Pennsylvania, and uh, is comfortable. He thought, this is what God's called me to do. And then he picks up, of all things, a Life magazine article on the gang violence in New York. And basically, that these gangs were unreachable. And God's Spirit got a hold of this guy and said, hey, hey, Bible college boy, what are you going to do about that? He's like, well, what do you mean, what am I going to do about that? I mean, I'm just a small-town kid, and I'm in a small town. I can't go to New York City. What am I going to do about gang violence? And then you know what happens. He wouldn't let him go. You imagine telling your wife, uh, honey, moving to New York, going to work with the gangs, good times, you know. Well, that's what he did. And he went there looking for the, the roughest, most notorious gangs, and eventually wanted to know who is the kingpin and who controls all this. And the name Nicky Cruz came up. And that's who he started praying for, and that's who he went after for Jesus Christ. That went on for three or four years. Can you imagine that? I mean, he, he got physically beat up. And finally, uh, Nicky Cruz had had enough. He went to one of these little, like, mini revivals that he had in the theater, and he'd had enough. And he got in this preacher's face. He said, I'm going to cut you in a thousand pieces. I mean, how could you possibly think you're going to come into New York City and you're going to do something about the gangs? And David Wilkerson said this, you can cut me in a thousand pieces and you can lay them in the street and every piece will still love you. And Nicky Cruz gave his life to Jesus Christ. What's amazing is when he told that story and uh, the book was called The Cross and the Switchblade, it's said now that after that book was published and then it was made into a movie that at least 50 million people all over the world have heard and seen what remarkable things God could do. Now, what is that? That's God's Spirit. Who knows what God's Spirit is calling you to do this morning? Maybe God's Spirit this morning is just comforting you. Maybe you've just had a season of your life that you just need to feel His peace, and that's what I love about God. And maybe God's Spirit is just working on you. Maybe there's something deep down you're like, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to make that call. I need to write that letter. I need to step out in faith. And do What's he doing through his spirit? And my question is, what are you willing to do about that? I love the fact that as they walked with Jesus, those disciples, they realized there's something about him that's so different. And Jesus said, you're beginning to figure it out. There's a spirit, and it's coming. It's coming. Well, guess what? It's here.